Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. come to you with two passages of scripture to get our launching pad set today for what we feel is on our heart to deliver. Amen. I would like to direct your attention to Psalm 107. You can open your Bibles, your iPad, or you can look on the screen. Psalm 107, verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 18 says, But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. They were led through the way of the wilderness by the Lord. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary place. I want to talk to you this morning about wandering and wanders in the wilderness. Wandering and wanders in the wilderness. Heavenly Father, we come before you today praying Praying that some heart would be touched today. Praying that someone, Lord, would receive, dear God, inspiration, understanding, and wisdom, we pray. God, use your word. Use your vessels today. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. amen. Wandering and wonders in the wilderness. Lord bless you. You can be seated. I have a, a cousin that's cut from a different cloth from a lot of folks. He, at one particular time, hiked the Appalachian Trail from just north of Atlanta all the way up to around Washington, D.C. I'm just not that gung-ho. He has twice ridden across America from coast to coast on a bicycle. He has walked through the Grand Canyon. I mean, this guy is into that kind of rugged, adventurous stuff. And matter of fact, on one occasion, he was riding through the Rockies on a bicycle down trails, not paved road, down trails. I, I find it hard. There's even a trail out there to, to ride, but he hit a bad spot and flipped over the edge of the of the mountainous area there and laid there for a long time and just blessed that somebody come by and found him for he had a broke leg and, and some other broken bones there and was, uh, was rescued. Now, many of us will never walk through the Grand Canyon. Many of us will never hike the Appalachian Trail. Many of us will not go through the jungles of the Amazon. Many of us will not uh, hike through the Andes Mountains, uh, it's hard enough to do the knobs here in our local area. 
Uh, we may never endure the, the heat and the sweltering wind of the Sahara, but every one of us, every one of us has either gone through wilderness or we're in a wilderness right now. Wilderness. Many have walked through the wasteland of heartache, the wasteland and the wilderness of abuse, of sorrow, dreams that were shattered, lives that were broken. Nothing can be as heart-wrenching as having to survive the cruelty of an unexpected disaster, a devastating disease. These are wildernesses of life. Often we ask the question, as Bishop had asked today, it floods our minds and our thoughts, and that is why. Why me? Why them? Why now? Perhaps that was the mindset of the children of Israel when they too became hungry and thirsty in the wilderness. The Bible says they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary place. Wandering is to move aimlessly without any direction or goal. It is going from place to place without any specific destiny. It's like you go from one place of wilderness to another place of wilderness and there seems to be no end in sight. I will say today, this message is for somebody. I don't know who, but somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord today. The large track or sparsely inhabited, it's not just that they were in the wilderness or wandering in the wilderness, but they were wandering in a solitary way. That means a desolate place. That is worthless when it comes to cultivating. You can't plant anything. Nothing grows there. It is a barren, desolate wilderness. A wilderness, when it comes into your life, can be a very dangerous and difficult place. A wilderness can be a place where you can't feel God. Even though you pray, even though you worship, you can't feel God. A wilderness is where you can't uh, survive on your own wits, your own skills, and your own resources. Your friends are helpless to give you the encouraging word that you need in this dry place, a harsh place. It's a dangerous place. It's a weary place. It is a wilderness place of testing, of isolation, and loneliness. Amen. Yet you know that in your heart there is a promised land that is ahead of you. But the wilderness is where you are now. There are promises that are arising to you. But wilderness is where you are now. When we study the children of Israel, we find in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, And all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember the way which the Lord thy God led thee. To humble thee to prove thee, to know what was in thy heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. 
and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knowest not neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee to know that man that man doth not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live amen the Lord said he led them he led them in the wilderness he led them by the way to prove them here are the options that you have in the wilderness return to slavery in Egypt die in the wilderness and never reach your destiny or rather overcome and make your way through the wilderness because God said he's got a promise on the other side it is in the wilderness that a lot of people want to give up that they want to throw in the towel there was a whole generation that did that a whole generation that said we were we would rather die here we would rather did you bring us out here to die take us back to Egypt and then others said you're letting our children die here in the wilderness but it was God that led them through the way of the wilderness Exodus 13 and 18 says but God led the people through the way of the wilderness the way of the promised land in your life often leads through the way of the wilderness when it seems like God is gone. Amen. We often want to rush to our promised land, and it's great. God called the promised land a good land. The prophet Ezekiel called the land of Israel the glory of all lands. Amen. It is said to be the most beautiful of all lands in the NIV translation of that verse. Daniel called it a pleasant land, a glorious land. It is often described as a land flowing with milk and honey. This was a proverbial statement meaning a land of plenty, a land of plenty, a peaceful place, a place that you could plant and, and harvest, a place where it wasn't barren and you felt like you were just spinning your wheels wandering from one place to another, from one issue to another. What would have been a lesson? day trip turned into a 40 year experience surely there was a reason for the wilderness what is God doing God led them amen God don't you have a good GPS system God don't you know that I, I, I'm destined for the promised land Lord where where's my travel itinerary because I just seem like I wander from this place to that place and from this season to this season and I go not just to ups and downs I wish it was hills and valleys and hills and valleys but it's just wasteland waste waste nothing but waste I look everywhere around me and it's bleak amen I wonder if there wasn't some little little rascal in the midst of all this that turned to his mom and dad and said are we there yet how many in your life you've gone through so much experiences, so many issues, a wilderness experience that you wanted to say, God, am I there yet? Amen. Am I there yet? Are we there yet? There's got to be a shorter way from Egypt to the promised land. Amen. There was a way that God wanted to send them because he had some wonders to show them in their wandering. Amen. This is a short 
shorter route. Amen. Yes, there's a shorter way. Yes, you would go and avoid the hot sun that would bake you quickly. Amen. Yes, you would you would have to have a detour to go to a quick place where there's water and provision. Oh, but God said, I'm going to lead you to the wilderness. I'm going to lead you through the wilderness. If God is leading you through the wilderness, then know this. He'll lead you out of the wilderness. He will take care of you in your wilderness, but he'll also lead you out of your wilderness. And it may seem like that, well, this, is, this has been one day, two days, two years, whatever the case may be, but I've come to tell you that God has a word for you in your wilderness. Matter of fact, the word wilderness in the Hebrew comes from a word meaning desert, wasteland. But if you follow the root or the etymology of this word, you will find that it means speak or word. God wants to speak to you in your wilderness. God wants to teach us something in our journey. You know, in Exodus 14 and 13 and 14 is where they leave and they barely get out the door of Egypt and they make this statement. Exodus 14, 11 because there was no, they said this to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth from Egypt? One, just, just, just hours, just, just a few hours into their trip out of Egypt, and they're saying, why are we here? This is awful. This is horrible. Yeah, but you got 40 years. How many thought that the first day was a rough day? Second day is a rough day. Third day is a rough day. The fourth month is a rough month. The fifth year is a rough thing. But I want to remind you is that God led them into the desert. Why? There was a purpose. There was a purpose. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. And it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. What? To humble thee, to prove thee, to know Know what is in thy heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. So we find the wilderness, amen, has a lesson. It has a teaching. The wilderness was sent to humble them, to prove them, to know their heart, and to see if they would be obedient. I want to tell you that the wilderness that you're in or have been in, amen, is not just a desert place for nothing. It is often meant to help us become humble so that humanity, Humility in the wilderness becomes a victory in the promised land. Amen. You're hungry and there's nothing you can do about it. You're thirsty and there's nothing you can do about it other than just look up and say, God, would you help me? You're in a wilderness. That means that you don't have any other help, no other recourse. But God, would you help me? Instead of throwing in the towel and saying, I quit, I give up. God is saying, I want to teach, teach you in in your moment of wilderness, trust me. I'll give what you need to you. I will take care of you. Amen. In your wilderness, I will take care of you. You know, it's humbling when you can't do something yourself. When you can't fix it yourself. 
when you can't turn it around yourself. <laughs> Look at this verse 3. Hey Amen. How many of you love the Lord? You wouldn't be here today. I know that it, you wouldn't be, but the Bible said he humbled them. He humbled them. And uh, this is Deuteronomy 8 and 3. He humbled them and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee manna. He humbled them. He suffered them to hunger, but then he gave them manna, which thou knewest not, neither thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. Here is the intent of the wilderness to get us to that place, that moment of crisis of faith, that where we stop and we say, I can't do this on my own. I am not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough of anything. So I've got to get to the place in my wilderness. Lord, I live by your word and your word alone. It is what you say and not what the, the enemy says. It's not what the news media says. It's not what Aunt Sally says. It's not what Dr. Sounding Brass says. But rather, Lord, I live by your word. I can't even live by the sister so-and-so's word, but I can live by your word. I can't live by the doctor's word, but I live by your word. I'm telling you today, somebody needs to grab a hold of the word of God in your wilderness and hang on. Well, I can't feel anything. So what? He's still God. He's still God. In the New Testament, Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 4, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility is important before you step into your promise. Humility comes to those who realize they cannot survive on their own, but by every word that comes from God. When you can't hold on to anything else, hold on to this. You got a Bible? Grab it. If you can't hold on to anything else, hold on to this. Hold on to this. You can't believe anything else. Believe this. Believe it. I'm going to tell you, I'll be, I've come to the place where I don't believe one ounce that comes out of the news media, including Fox News. I don't believe a mess that comes out of their mouth. Amen. But I do believe this. I believe the word of God. Everything that I live has got to come by the word of the Lord. If you don't learn anything in your wilderness, get a hold of the word. Amen. You know what I do sometimes when I have a hard time resting? I'll put on the word of God and let it play me. Amen and play and I'll listen to it and I'll begin to find peace enough to go to sleep. It's the word of God that's going to sustain you in this hour. So we learn in our wandering that God will teach us humility through his word in the wilderness. Another thing is he proved them. Somebody say prove them. When you prove something, you're attempting to learn the true nature of something. They were slaves emancipated from Egypt, but Egypt wasn't emancipated from them. Israel had escaped by supernatural deliverance. They were liberated from oppression and bondage. 
They became a nation set free. They observed the manifestation of God's power at the Red Sea. They observed God's power as he delivered them in the closing of the Red Sea. They were liberated from physically from the slime pits of slavery, but their minds were still held captive by the clutches of Egyptian thinking. The wilderness is meant to clean out Egypt from our mindset. Let me say it again. The wilderness is meant to clean out Egypt from our mindset. Examine me, O Lord, the psalmist said in 26 and 2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Amen. I want to tell you, you don't have to die in the wilderness, but you can change your reason for living in the wilderness. You don't have to die in your wilderness, but you can change your thinking in the wilderness. Amen. You can become free from the things of this world the devil can't some of us need to know this there's not anything else the devil can throw at you because he's thrown everything in the book at you there's nothing else that you can go through that's ever going to tear you down you've been through enough and so what do you do you stand up and say lord search me examine me make sure there's no egypt in me the third thing that they learned is that God wanted to expose their heart, prove them, examine their heart. You see what the wilderness does? When you go through things in your life, it reveals blind spots that you didn't know were there, that I didn't know were there. God knows what's in our heart, but many times it takes a wilderness for us to know what's in our heart. Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. It seems like to me that Israel had a lot of faith in Egypt, but little faith in God. They appeared to be a willing and obedient people, but they had to have an idol you know the, the calf that was made by Aaron and, 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 and Israel to worship? Do you remember what, what Aaron said? He said, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Not another God. He was substituting Jehovah for a cow. That was something in their heart that needed to get out. That needed to get out. The wilderness is a place that brings the hidden to light. It brings those attitudes, quick trigger, anger, hostility, fear, doubt, worry, things that come in our blind spots in our life. A wilderness has a way of revealing them. Amen. John Piper said it like this. It is a terrible and foolish thing to say to God, my life we would be better if I hadn't followed you. But that's exactly what Israel was saying. We would have been better off if we hadn't followed God. I want to tell you, hold on. Don't let the enemy tell you and get that in your spirit is that you need to just, just quit all this. You need to stop believing. Don't believe this mess. Look how hard everything, everybody's got it bad. Look at this. If there was such a good God, why, why is all this? evil in the world why is all because God for God's people is bringing them through something so they can get to something and if you want to get to sometimes you got to go through 
So he wanted to reveal what was in their heart. He wanted to prove them, see if they were ready. He wanted to teach them humility. Somebody say amen. The last thing that he said, I want to see if you would obey or not. I wanted to see if you would obey or not. It is in the wilderness that we make the choice to follow God and his plan and not ours. Interesting. The Lord said, I wanted to check and see whether thou wouldest keep my commandments or no. We want to rush to the promised land. We want to rush to our promise. We want to rush to the comforts. We want to rush to, to the joy. We want to rush to all these things that he's got for us. But if we're not willing to learn obedience, we'll miss it. So the Bible teaches us that obedience is, is greater than sacrifice. I want to tell you that obedience is more powerful than victory. You can have victory and still miss God. But when it comes to obedience, it ought to be a primary thing. Will you obey, obey God? Will I obey God under the pressures of the storm, under the pressures of the wilderness? He might, not just a moment, not just a week, but a situation that I might be facing. The answer will determine whether you die in the wilderness or whether I die in the wilderness or whether we march triumphantly toward the promised land. You will find that even Jesus, our great example, though being a son, Hebrews 5 and 8, though he were a son yet learn he obedience by the things which he suffered there are some things amen that I've suffered that's taught me some obedience how about you <coughs> when you begin to study the wanderings of the children of Israel going from place to place from place to place the things they had to learn humility obedience they had to have their heart tested and they had to be proved. Those things were, were too tough for a whole generation. A whole generation that did not make it. But I want to tell you, not everybody died in the wilderness. Not say that with me. Not everybody died in the wilderness. I, I look at this, this jar here and I look at, at, at this and I think about those that have backslidden from God. Amen. They have backslidden, but there's a way back to the Lord. But there, not everybody backslides. Not everybody throws in the towel. Not everybody says, I quit and I give up. Amen. When you study Numbers chapter 14, you will see that there were 12 spies that went into see the glory of the promised land. That's what the, the record says. Go see the glory of the promised land. Ten of them were full of doubt and fear and refused to possess the glory of the Lord in Numbers 14 and 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the promised land where into he went. He, his seed shall possess it. Look at verse 30. It says, Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephthah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said should be a prey, uh, them I will bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcass, they shall fall in this wilderness. I want to tell you, not 
Not everybody dies in their wilderness. There are those that do. There are those that give up. But there are some that said, I've got faith to keep pressing on. I've got faith to keep pressing on. Deuteronomy 8 and 15, it says, the Lord who led thee through, somebody say through, through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at the latter end. If you're reading that in your Bible, you ought to underline that, to do thee good at the latter end. I may be in the wilderness, but the ultimate goal is that he's going to do me good. I'm going to learn some things. I'm going to learn some things that I've gone through. I'm not going to let my storm be for nothing. I'm not going to let my wilderness be for nothing. If God brought you through a great and terrible wilderness, you ought to know that he'll bring others through by your testimony. In verse 17, and thou shalt say in thy heart, my power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he is that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. There are some wonders in the wilderness. How they had no food, but God brought them food. I said they had no food, no problem. God said, I got you. They had no water in the wilderness. I'll bring it out of a rock. Not only will I bring it out of the rock, but that rock's going to follow you. Not only am I going to bring it out of that rock, but that rock is, is a typology of the coming Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 and 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized in the moment Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did eat the same spiritual meat. Spiritual meat. Somebody say spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. Amen. For they drank that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. I want to say Christ will show up in your wilderness in the form of manna that you cannot make, in the form of water that you cannot dig. Amen. Their clothes didn't wear out. There was no sickness among them. They didn't blister on their feet. They survived the wilderness all because God said, I'm going to do you good at the latter end. I believe had every one of those old heads believed God, none of them would have died in the wilderness. None of them would have died. There would have been no 40 years of wandering. It may have been four days or four weeks. I don't know, but if they had quit wondering about getting back to Egypt and doubting God and saying, why me? Poor me. Look how bad I got it. But somebody said, I got my eye not on Egypt, but I've got my eye on the promised land and I will make it through this wilderness. Yes, there's wandering, but oh, I want to tell you there's wonder. There's wonder. There's wonder. There's wonder. If you look around in your wilderness, you're going to find the miracle working power of God sustaining you. You're going to find the miracle working power of God that brought you through what you didn't deserve to be brought through. He is God of the wilderness. 
Here's one thing I know about the wilderness in this lesson and in my life. The wilderness has a tendency to try to extract all doubt and fear and whatever causes us not to trust God out of our life. The 12 spies that went and 10 came back and said, oh, we can't. They were right. They can't. But two that said they could were right, and they did. It seems like the wilderness takes, us a, takes a lot from you. But I'm going to tell you what it does put in you. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, but the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, who having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. The songwriter said, I've had many tears and sorrows. Questions for tomorrow. But through it all, through it all, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Stand with me, please. I want to point to you to one scripture, going back to our original scripture in verse 4 where it said the wandering in the wilderness in a solitary way. Look at that whole section of Psalm from verse 1 to 9 of Psalms 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. And notice this. And he led them forth by the right way. He's got a way out. He's got a way through. He's got a way out. He's got a way through. He's got a way out. He's got a way out. He's got a way out. I'm telling somebody today, God wants you to know that there is a right way. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfied the longing soul and filled the hungry soul with goodness. If you're starving right now in your wilderness, the Lord's got a table prepared for you. Just believe him. Just trust him. If you're starving and thirsty right now in your wilderness, amen, every promise that 
Pastor Thornton talked about last Sunday. Every promise that, that God has for you is waiting just on the other side of the wilderness. Just on the other side of the wilderness. But you're going to find him there. Not just in the wandering, but in the wonders, in the miracles. Look around. Look around. He's been with you. He's not left you in your storm. He's not left you in your crisis. He's not left you in your predicament. But through it all, through it all, through it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I pray today that God's used this word to help somebody in a wilderness. If that be you today, or maybe you've had some struggles in your life, or you're going through some issues right now. Amen. We all are. We all are. Why don't you make your way to the front right here? Why don't you make your way to an altar and begin to pour out your heart to God? Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.